What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast with the Giants in the, the second week of their off season, We are doing a lot of, of position reviews at Big Blue View, uh, looking at the offense, you know, going through the defense, sort of assessing the, the 2020 season and what your New York Giants need to do going forward. And here on the Valentine's Views podcast, that's uh, no exception to, to that rule. I know Chris Flum and, and Joe DeLeon have been doing a little bit of that on their show. Here to uh, to help me today as we look at the, uh, the Giants 2020 offense are two of the best quarterback offensive gurus that I know. Mark Schofield, whose work you're familiar with here at Big Blue View and and lots of other places at uh, around SB Nation. And Tony Rassiopi, quarterback's coach at the Manning Passing Academy and Test Football Academy. Guys, thank you very, very much for uh, for spending some time with me today. This should be fun as we sort of go through the, the wreckage of the 2020 Giants offense. Thanks for having us, Ed. Yeah, thanks hey, for having us, thanks. thanks, Mark. So, so... Let's let's start with this. You know, you guys both spend a lot of time looking at at quarterbacks. Obviously, you know it's it's what you guys do for a living. Um, you know, Mark, I asked you at the end of the uh, of, of the regular season to to take a good hard look at Daniel Jones and, and answer the question of whether or not he made some progress in year two. Um, let's, let's actually start right there. Um, sort of summarize your assessment. Um, and, and then we'll, uh, then we'll talk about that. We'll see, we'll see where Tony stands on, uh, on, on Daniel's second year as Giants quarterback. Yeah. And as you might expect, anytime I came on a Giants show prior to the season, the main question I was asked was, you know, can Daniel Jones improve in year two? And, you know, what would that improvement look like? And sometimes people want to know, like, Production-wise, numbers, touchdown passes, interceptions, and things like that. But I kept telling people, you want him to be a better quarterback by the end of the year than he was at the start of the year. What that means isn't going to be easily reflected in numbers, but you want to see him be more decisive. You want to see him more confident. You want to see him getting through reads quicker. You want to see looks that have confused him in the past not confuse him in the future. And so that's what you want to really see by the end of the season. And I think for the most part, he got there. I pulled some numbers. I went through some film and he was much improved in a lot of ways against zone coverage looks. You were seeing anticipation throws. You were seeing him able to attack the middle of the field and attack 
throw-in windows that kind of got away from him, that he was afraid to target as a rookie. And so I think that there was improvement in some areas. Giants fans are probably wondering, is that enough? You know, is the improvement that we saw in year two enough to be confident in year three? And I think that's probably the deeper question from where I sit. I think so. Um, and I, I hope that teams look at the Josh Allen example and see an organization that practiced patience with a young quarterback and follow that model. I'm rather hesitant to see, you know, and it, it frustrates me to see teams give up on a young quarterback after one year. I think you have to practice patience with these guys because, you know, the adjustment, and I'm sure Tony's going to speak to this as well, the adjustment from life in a college offense to life in a pro offense is huge. And it takes time to figure that stuff out, especially in a situation like Daniel Jones where he's in a Duke offense, then a Pat Shermer offense, and now a Jason Garrett offense in three years. Like that's a lot of turnover for a young quarterback. And stability is huge. So I think there's improvement from what I've seen. I'm sure Tony's seen some improvement as well. Um, and I just hope that this organization practice some patience with him and, and has some continuity around him so he doesn't have to learn yet another system for 2021. Tony, your thoughts? I mean, Mark did a great job explaining all that. I think, you know, for him, um, you know, I think early in the season and I, you know, I watched the film obviously breaking down some stuff early on. What young quarterbacks usually do is two things, right? Number one, they just stare at one in their progression, right? For two to three hitches. And they just, they're, they're going to throw it to that guy no matter what. They just hope he gets open or two, you just, you just pick a guy. You know, it, it's not a part of the progression. You just hope that guy gets open. And I think he got in trouble that um, a lot as a rookie. And then at times early in the season, you know, you saw, you know, like typical – and listen, Jason runs a typical pro-style offense. I mean, you, you put that film on and, and 90% of that offense is, is, you know, progression plays that you see in everybody's offense, just out of different personnels. So um, – and, and a lot of times, you know, those those reads are built in one to two to three to four to five, right? So – and sometimes early in the season, you, you saw his eyes. They were not in the right spots. And, again, I don't know if that was a game plan thing. Because, again, we're not there. But, but a lot of times on basic concepts, if they were supposed to be in the middle and he's supposed to read the middle with something first, and his eyes were, like, left for no reason, you know. And um, you know, I, I think when you're young, that's what you do. You, you stare at one or you, you go, okay, Strong Shepard's really good. I, I hope he gets open here. You know, and you, you just kind of pick a guy. And I think as the season went on, I, I saw him – manipulating coverage. I saw him getting through things. Um, and sometimes it could be trust, right? Sometimes it's, it's, I, I don't really trust two on my progression here. I might not trust three on my progression. I just, again, I hope one gets open because I don't think two and three are going to get open and catch the ball. You know, and I, I think that, um, you know, from a quarterback perspective and from a coaching perspective, I mean, again, no off season with a new coordinator, right? So, um, you know, there's only so many zoom things you could possibly do. It's got to be on the grass is, is where you do all your learning. So, I've known Jason Garrett since I was, you know, 12 years old. Um, he's a tremendous guy, a tremendous coach, very detail oriented. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's going to really grow in the system if, if, you know, Jason's back or Jason doesn't leave for another job, you know, so to answer your question, I, I think there was definitely progression. I, I think that, um, you see him dropping back, you see him reading coverages, kind of like Mark said, and, and going through things and, and trusting guys to get open and make throws. I mean, he, he can make all the throws. It's never been an issue one. And two, I don't think people know how athletic he really is. I mean, you see some of those zone reads that he took, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards for touchdowns or in the red zone, you know, doing some things. And obviously the hamstring kind of hampered him the last couple of games to finish out the season. But you see the stuff he can really do. 
So, you know, Mark, you, you talked about Josh Allen a little bit and, and right now, you know, as, as, as people watch the NFL and as, as we watch the, the playoffs right now, Josh Allen is sort of, I, I, I want to say maybe the, the poster child for, for what Giants fans are hoping Daniel Jones can become because what we just saw from Josh Allen is a massive, massive leap from his first and second year to his third year. And he's a guy with lots of arm talent, maybe a little bit more arm talent than, than Daniel, but he's also a guy who uses his legs a lot, can make some plays, you know, on, on designed runs, can make some plays getting out of the pocket. So, I mean, the question for me you know, that I think Giants fans are wondering as we start the offseason is, does Daniel Jones, you know, have the ability to make that kind of a leap? I mean, you know, I mean, basically, you know, what what's the ceiling? You know, Tony, why don't we Tony, why don't we actually start with you okay. on that question? What you know, is that kind of a leap possible? Should we expect it? Um you know, what's your feeling on, on that? You know, I think Daniel has, um, elite ability. I mean, you, you know, you see that jump out on film at times, you know, and then, you know, again, Mark always does great breakdowns. You just see some of those dig throws he made and, you know, like next level kind of stuff. Um, you're just looking for more consistency out of it. You know, like I've always said with quarterbacks, their success hinges on the three P's, right? So it's the personnel around them, the play caller and the protection, right? So if you have those three things in place, and you do your job, usually you're going to look pretty good. I mean, if you look at, and if you fill in Josh Allen with those things, um, you know, got a new receiver, you know, Diggs who dominated this year, right? Number one. Number two, uh, Dable's amazing at play calling, right? He's going to get a head job probably because of, of the way he schemes stuff up. And then they, they've done a good job protecting him. And if they haven't protected him, that's when the off-platform athletic ability kind of slides in. That really should be the fourth thing that's kind of, I should add that over the, over the years here. So, and again, Josh, you know, Josh is a big, strong kid. Hey, listen, Josh is the most talented kid I've seen in person in 10 years of coaching quarterbacks. You know, like, for me, when I saw him at the Manning camp for four days, I, I was just in awe of how big and how strong his arm was. And just he had that alpha male personality to him, too. And I think that – I think if you watch the Bills play, like, that entire team loves him. And I think that's another thing Daniel's got to work on, too, is is – you know, does the entire organization is every guy in that roster would run through a brick wall for that guy. If you watch the Bills play, they'll do that for Josh Allen. Every single guy in that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think if you look at Josh Allen's offseason, Josh Allen got better fundamentally. You know, like, and, and Mark probably did some breakdowns on him too, I'm sure. But like, his base never was great. You know, he was kind of just like a baseball pitcher, kind of loaded on that back leg, and I'm going to throw it as hard as I possibly can. And if it's accurate, great. If it's not, second and ten. I think this year he did a great job kind of getting balanced and staying balanced through his throws um, and kind of staying balanced through the pocket movements. Um, and, again, if you watch Daniel play, Daniel did a great job with some of that stuff this year. Um, you know, the turnovers from a fundamental standpoint were down. That's something he definitely worked on and was conscious of. I mean, maybe early on he had a couple, but as the season went on, he did a nice job navigating the pocket. Um, I think he definitely make that jump. But, again, you know, it goes back to those three Ps. That's, that's what I look at. Like, is the personnel going to be better around him to help him? You know, is, is, is the scheme going to help him? 
you know, get guys open, create matchups, you know, and that's what the NFL is all about at the end of the day, right? It's about your job as a, as a play card is to create matchups. And then the protection, giving them time to go through those things. Mark, thoughts? Well, I mean, if I'm Joe Judge, if I'm Giants ownership, my first call this offseason, you know, aside from the Jason Garrett question, is to Tony or another guy like Tony. Because you look at the progression of Josh Allen from year two to year three, and Tony talked a lot about about the fundamentals. You see some of the throws that he's making, Josh Allen is making outside of structure, outside of the pocket. The upper body is worlds better than it was last year from the waist up, his mechanics, his throw in motion. And that's enabled him to make some of these throws outside of the pocket, outside of structure. And so if I'm Joe Judge, I'm calling Tony and say, look, Tony, what are you doing this spread? Because I've got Daniel Jones and we need to sort of get that stuff in place. Because, you know, Daniel is a very sort of solid quarterback structure. I know they've worked on his base. You know, Tony talked about the balance and the throw in motion and moving to the pocket. But I think if you make sure all of that is 100% and ready to go, a lot of the good production and execution is going to flow through that. You know, we talked about stability with Jason Garrett. There was stability with Brian Dable, who has done a great job with Josh Allen, who is going to get a head coaching job after this season because of what he's done with Josh Allen. His his interview is is easy, right? He walks into an interview or turns on a Zoom and he says, oh, you're asking me why I should be your head coach. I'm going to turn on some Josh Allen 2020 tape. That's my answer. And he's probably going to get a job because of that. And it's why you might see Ken Dorsey, their current quarterbacks coach, their next offensive coordinator, because they want to keep that stability around him. And so I think the stability around Jason, I mean, Daniel Jones is obviously huge. So I think that's another part of it. And, you know, the other thing with, with Daniel Jones to realize is, you know, the trust in the young quarterback is critical, right, from an organizational perspective. When you see Josh Allen being asked in week 16 of an NFL season to make high-low reads and decisions against Jason McCord, I mean, Devin McCourty, right, talented, one of the best safeties in the game, and Brian Dable will say, look, I trust you to play the cat and mouse game with this guy because I know you're going to get it right. He's doing that. That's huge. You know, that tells a young quarterback, you know, and look, Tony was 8 million times better a quarterback than I ever was. I mean, I can say that right now. Um, Both of you are better than I was. I mean, the last time I played quarterback was for a flag football team in eighth grade. I mean, look, look, Tony was out there breaking records and I was breaking my hands. I mean, look, that's, that's how our careers went. But Tony will probably agree with me when I say when you know that your coaches trust you, when you know your coaches believe in you, when you're not looking over your shoulder or wondering if, you know, they're going to pull the rug out from under you. That's huge. You know, a confident quarterback is a good quarterback. And, you know, when you can get to that level with Daniel Jones, when he believes that this organization is fully behind him and they trust him to run this offense and to make reads and throws like that, he's going to be a better quarterback as a result. All right. So that leads me to, you know, one of the questions that that I had written down here in my notebook basically was, you know, regarding Jason Garrett, which is where we have to go with the Giants offense. And basically you guys have both answered the, you know, the should Jason be back as play caller, you know, for the Giants next year. You've both talked about continuity and, and how it would be big for Daniel. Um, and I happen to agree with that. I think that that there were a lot of extenuating circumstances with the Giants offense this year. There were personnel issues. You know, at the skill positions, there was a bad season from Evan Ingram. There was a young and maybe talented offensive line that 
that really had no chance the first half of the season because of, you know, lack of preseason, lack of offseason, you know, lack of experience overall. And yet, you know, and obviously the Barkley injury, which takes away the, your best player. And yet, you know, the NFL is not forgiving. 31st in the league is 31st in the league, you know, in offense regardless. So as we look at it, how much, you know, and, and, you know, Mark, why don't you take this one first? How much responsibility does Jason Garrett bear, you know, for, for that offense not performing well this year? You know, I think he bears some responsibility, as I think, you know, he would tell you, as I think anybody in that room would tell you, that there's responsibility to go around um, for some of the poor production and execution on the offensive side of the ball. It's not just the quarterback. It's not just the offensive coordinator. It's the offensive line and everybody else. I mean, you know, we, we often in the media, um, guys like me, we love to say, look, this is the problem. You know, it's it, get a better quarterback and you'll be fine. Get a better left tackle and you'll be fine. But there's so many moving parts in this game, you know, that there's obviously in many situations like this one, blame to go around. Um, I do think one area where they could focus on, you know, and I talked about this in the piece that I wrote um, for Big Blue View, um, the vertical passing game. You know, when they hired Jason Garrett, everybody assumed he's from the Coriel model. It's going to be a lot of downfield stuff. And while Jason's office has gotten a bit more horizontal at times, you see his playbook, you see a lot of stick and stuff like that. Um, offenses these days tend to blend. You know, it's not just a pure air raid or a pure West Coast or pure Coriel. You know, when you saw Daniel Jones make some improvements this year, when I saw him in the second half of the year be really decisive, it was on some of those vertical concepts, whether it's verts out of two by two or four by one or some of the other flood type concepts where he really looked comfortable and decisive. And the numbers bear that out. I mean, I pulled some of them from Pro Football Focus. You're talking about a guy that had the number one adjusted complete, I mean, the number six adjusted completion percentage on deep throws this year and the number one NFL passer rated on deep throws. And yet he didn't, he barely attempted more deep throws this year than he did last year in what was supposed to be more vertical of an offense. And I think now when you've got, you know, this season of Jason Garrett and you take a step back and you're the Giants and you sort of say, you know, what worked, what didn't, um, you evaluate what you did as an offense. When you see some of his decisiveness, Jones's decisiveness on those vertical concepts, when he's doing the things like Tony talked about, like looking off defenders and seeing that post safety in the middle of the field and moving them to one seam route and, you know, then drilling in the other seam route. That's what you want to see from a quarterback. And to see that was great. So I think, you know, if, if and hopefully when Garrett comes back, he's going to look at what they did on some of those designs and say, we're going to be running more of this stuff in 2021. Tony, you know, you, you know, Jason Garrett better than better than Mark and better better than I do obviously um just you know your your thoughts on uh on his culpability this year as well and 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 maybe where you think uh where you think he'll try to take the offense next year yeah I, I think that you know you, you look at the offseason right and, and as a play caller first of all you want to know what your quarterback can do right so that's that's how you build your system right what what can he do well What's his weakness? What's his strength? Right. Second thing is protection. Right. So if we can, if we can pass block really well, then I'm going to get guys out. Right. If my left tackle is not very good, then I got to build in, slide into him, or I got to chip with a, with a, you know, a running back or a tight end before he goes on his routes. So all those things kind of change your system a little bit. And then absolutely the last thing is the skill guys, you know, like, 
know, how my receivers, how are my tight ends? What do my tight ends do well? Um, you know, Jason Garrett's always going to have a tight end based offense, you know, um, yeah, look at Jason Witten over his career. You know, it's going to be those option routes. It's going to be, you know, Y option, right? I mean, Jason Witten's going to go in the Hall of Fame because of Y option. So, you know, it's, it's getting the ball over the middle of those tight ends, which really, you know, that's what sucks those defenders up. And then you get over top, you know, and then the last thing is going to be the run game. Um, you know, you had Saquon for not many games. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm looking at my system, I'm building around what can Saquon do well. And, and obviously Saquon's been so great out of the backfield, catching the ball and flexing him out and motion him out of the backfield. And, you know, again, I mean, everybody does in the NFL where you, you know, you cut your split by your ex, you know, and you motion your back out and see who goes with them. If they, you know, if they bounce out the corner widens and the, and the backer bounces out, you got zone. Okay. I know I got a progression read here. If, if, the, if a backer or safety runs one, all right, I got man, I'm expecting blitz. I got to find a matchup. You know, so it's more stuff you can, you can do within the skill guys that they have, you know, so I know he's going to do that. I mean, I, well, I, I think from an athletic standpoint, I think that I'd like to see them move the pocket a little more. You know, I mean, you look at, you know, that, that kind of Shanahan, McVeigh, you know, kind of model, you see like the jet sweep stuff, then you see just, you know, the nakeds, you know, over and over and over. And I, and I think, you know, he would do well on that. You know, you look at Jared Goff, you know, doing that stuff over and over again. It's just, you know, and, you know, Mark breaks that stuff down too. It's just, it's just flood concepts. You know, it's, it's easy reads. It's high school reads. I, I put that stuff in my high school offense, you know, mm-hmm. so it's moving the pocket. It's moving the launch point, which helps the protection. You know, it's using his athletic ability and it's, you know, it's half field reads. It's simple, you know, so. I think that's stuff that I think he's going to see and, and break down and, and add to their offense in the offseason. I, you know, I I read something too, like he just didn't know what he was going to have, you know, like, and, and you, I mean, Mark knows you can practice it all you want, but at the end of the day, after weeks one through three, you're going, okay, these guys can't do this, you know, or this guy can't do what I thought he could do, or this guy can do something maybe better than I thought he could do. Um, and that's kind of as, as you saw the season evolve. And, and again, like Mark said, you know, like, you see Daniel just so comfortable in things. Why would you want to change, you know, why would you want to change that up on him again? You know, it's, it's, it's when you start understanding what, the, what the coach wants from you, that's when you can really take the next jump. And, um, you know, seeing the same concepts over and over and over again. Um, you know, it's just, you know, different formations and window dressing, but it's the same stuff. It's the same concept. It's going one to two to three to four to five. Here's my reads, you know, middle open, middle closed or, um, and, and my footwork, that's tied into it. So my eyes and footwork, I mean, most guys miss throws because their eyes are in the wrong place or their feet aren't in the right place. You know, so the more consistent you are with things and, and the more times you run things, the more times your eyes are probably going to be in the right place, one, and two, usually your feet come with it. You know, so you're just going to see more consistent, I think, from from everybody. That That lack of verticality, Mark, I mean, is it as simple as, you know, we know how much the Giants struggled you know, early in the season, maybe the first half of the season to block things. Is it, is it as simple as, you know, not being able to trust that, that they could block to run that vertical offense? I mean, I think that's part of it. And that's one of the P's that Tony talked about with that protection element. Like, you know, if you want to start running five step, seven step concepts or three, five step concepts from the gun, but you're not confident your left tackle is going to protect that lawn. You're much more hesitant to call those things. Now, look, some, some of these vertical concepts, you can get the ball out quickly, you know, if you get zone coverage, but sometimes you can't. And you have to have that ability to sort of hold up long enough that your quarterback can take those, you know, three or five steps from the gun or five or seven steps from under center and, 
have enough time to get the ball out and stay upright, you know, and then particularly later in the season when Jones is dealing with some lower body injuries and you don't want to expose him to, you know, hits in the pocket and things like that. You're more conscious of, okay, well, we can't really throw it deep. We can't push it downfield. We've got to get the ball into his hands and out of his hands. He's got to be more of a point guard than a quarterback. And, you know, that certainly plays a role in it. And, you know, protecting the quarterback is critical and protecting the quarterback is tied in big time to the schemes that you can and cannot run. And I do think, you know, that's a huge part of it. I was interested to sort of ask Tony something, you know, you mentioned sort of what coaching of quarterbacks and stuff. How critical, Tony, is it to sort of make life easier for your quarterback? Like you mentioned the McVay-Shanahan kind of system and like how that's made Jared Goff good and, you know, receded what it's doing right now with Aaron Rodgers. Like, isn't that critically important to like make life easier for your guy? I mean, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, you're, it's funny, like, people are like, you know, that guy's in a quarterback-friendly system. Well, aren't all of them should be? Like, that's, right. uh, I mean, that's, that's the job of the play caller and, and the, and the team is that, yeah, I, every system should be quarterback-friendly, you know? So, you know, you get guys in rhythm, you get guys confident. You talked about confidence, how big it is. It's, it's, of course, it's huge. And especially, you know, especially at that position in the NFL and then obviously with the New York media, you know, like, right. and, um, and, you know, like, obviously all the draft stuff that I do with all the training. I, I had Chad Pennington in a couple years ago, kind of helped me one time. He kind of popped in because he was in the area. And he was great. He talked about how, how you know, like, all those guys say they don't listen, and they do. You know, he's like, I've read the papers. I, I listen to the radio. You try not to, but you do. And and if if you let it, it just beats you down to the point where you think you can't do anything right. You know, so that comes into play with confidence. And, and I think that, you know, I, I think that quarterback-friendly systems, I mean, you just – I feel like a system should take a good player and make them great, right? And make an average player and make them good. And, and, um, and we see that, you know, through guys' careers, you know, we see guys that, that, you know, get cut, get cut two or three times and all of a sudden they're a starter, starter and maybe they're, you know, all pro kind of season, right? You, you know, you look at Nick Foles, you look at, you know, Jared, obviously, you know, Goff, you know, like you look at some of those guys and where they were some places, they look like they're going to get cut, you know, and then they go to another place because of the system and, you talked about how much it is, uh, how important it is to believe in the quarterback. Yeah, it's huge. You know, you, I mean, you look back at some of those, you know, Hall of Famers first two or three years. It wasn't pretty. Right. You know, and, and you know, like, I mean, you look at Peyton's first year, you know, yeah. like, you look at, I mean, you look at Eli's first year, you know, like, but, but, you know, the Giants believed in Eli. So they stuck with him and let him get through it and put people around him. You know, when he played in the system, they got comfortable with, you know, so yeah, I, I think it's huge. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mark, I'm curious, you know, by, by bringing up the whole quarterback friendly discussion, 
are are you sort of implying that that when you watch the Giants that, that there are things maybe that you see that that you feel like aren't quarterback friendly for 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 Daniel? Well, I mean, it's not so much that. It's that, like Tony mentioned, that sort of McVay-Shanahan sort of outside zone boot action off of that, you know, three-level flood reads, half-field concepts. Like, you have to incorporate some of that in your game, right? your game plan. You have to incorporate some of that into your playbook. I, and I think, look, smart offenses steal from smart offenses all the time. Like, if you see something that works for one team, you're going to do it for another. I mean, you know, I, I, as a Patriots guy, I've seen for years – you know, Tom Brady, arguably the greatest of all time. And Josh McDaniel is doing so much from a motion and a pre-snap movement perspective to give him confidence in what he's getting after the snap, right? Like, you know, a knowledgeable quarterback is a confident quarterback is a good quarterback. It's kind of the themes we've been talking about. And if Tom Brady knows you're in a spot to rob three, you're in a, you know, two man, if he knows what you're running, he's going to eat you alive. And most quarterbacks will. So when you do those things to help your quarterback, whether it's Tom Brady, 20 year veteran or Daniel Jones guy entering his third year, that quarterback is going to be better after the snap, but he's going to be a better quarterback overall. And so, you know, I was banning the table all season long for things like motion and play action in this offense because those are the ways to give the quarterback that information. Like like Tony said earlier, you know, with the reduced X and, the you know, putting the running back out in motion, you know if it's man or zone, that's going to make you a more confident quarterback. You know what you're seeing and you're going to be able to execute the play design. And so, you know, doing these things are going to be critical to helping him. Garrett did some of that, but incorporating, I think, more of that is going to help Daniel, like we talked about. Yes. Tony? I, I agree 100%. I think that, um, and again, that's, I mean, that's what I look for, right? I look for year two for a jump from, from Daniel Jones, Juana, and I look for Jason, right? So, you know, people ask if Jason should be back. Absolutely, I think Jason should be back. You know, now listen, if, if this year they struggle big time and, and, and Daniel doesn't play as great or he plays the same or maybe gets a little worse or, you know, from a, uh, from a statistical standpoint, then okay, that's, that's a conversation to have next year. But I'm, I'm looking for, all right, now you know your pieces, Jason, right? Now you know what those guys can do. Hopefully you add some guys for free agency in the draft. You know, the things you miss in that offense that hopefully you can get. And then adding stuff we're talking about, helping the young quarterback find completions. And, um, and I see it even at the college level. I mean, you know, you watch, I mean, you watch the Alabama game last night, you know, and I mean, obviously the talent's just so good, but some of those, you know, Ohio State over the years, right? That, you know, you, you look at like when uh, Dwayne Haskins was there, there's, there's so many easy completions in those offenses. And that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's your job as the play caller. So it's not just go, hey, Daniel, take seven step drops and throw 18 yard dig routes and comebacks. Uh, you know, those days, you know, not that they're over, but yeah, I have to have some other stuff too that helps the guy. Right. So, you know, we've, we've been talking about, you know, schematic changes and motion and, and, and getting Daniel out of the pocket a little bit and, and those kinds of things. And when you look at the personnel that Daniel is throwing to and the guys that, that, uh, that the Giants have at tight end and wide receiver and, and obviously missing Barkley as a, as an option out of the backfield, everybody, you know, I, I sit in these Zoom calls with, with Judge and with Jason and, and guys all year long. And, and, and these guys are getting hammered with questions about why the Giants receivers aren't, you know, don't rank very highly in separation. And, and why when you look at their, you can go to pro football reference and look at uh, advanced receiving statistics and, and just about every Giants receiver went down pretty dramatically this season in yards after catch. And 
in in the instance of Golden Tate, for example, I think that that may partially be, you know, Golden Tate's getting a little bit older and, and he's probably not going to be a giant next year. But my question is, you know, and I guess we'll start, you know, Mark, I'll have you weigh in on this one first. Is there something about the way that the Giants have schemed up a lot of their passing game that just isn't creating these opportunities for guys to not necessarily separate, but to catch and run. Yeah. And yardage after the catch is one of those things that I'm always fascinated to see in offenses because there are offenses that do it so well. I mean, for all you want to say about Kansas city and what they struck, how they conceptualize their offense, we think vertical passing game, but Andy Reid is sort of rooted in West coast ideas. And that's a yardage after the catch offense, you know, yardage after the catch, I've tried to make the argument is a quarterback stat too. You know, because you have to do things in terms of getting the ball out on time, in rhythm, and placing it properly. So, you know, if that receiver has a chance to catch and get upfield before a defender closes on him, he's going to get yardage after the catch. Like if you're running, like say, mirrored curl flat, and you're throwing that curl route late, you might have the initial separation. But by the time the ball comes out, that window is closed. And so all the guy can do is catch and turn and he's tackled rather than catch, turn and make a football move. And so, you know, this is an area where I think Daniel can improve. It's sort of that, you know, getting the time and down, making some more anticipation throws, putting the football where it needs to be so guys can become an athlete after the catch rather than just a receiver who gets the catch and can't go anywhere else. And so I think, you know, there are elements of this offense where there are, are opportunities. And now, sure, look, I'm sure Giants would love to hear me say, you know, draft Devonta Smith or, you know, make a big move for Kenny Galladay and you'll get yardage after the catch stats. And like, sure, yeah, that would help. Uh, but Jones can help in this area, too. Like there were opportunities for this offense. I think they get those plays. Sometimes they got them. They didn't do enough of it. That's an area where I think that he can improve, too, and help those guys around him. Tony, your thoughts on uh, your thoughts on, on on trying to create more of that in the Giants' offense? No, I I, uh, I agree 100 with Mark. I, you know, it's it's an accuracy thing from the quarterback being on time, putting the ball where it should be. Um, and again, like if you look at Jason's offense, it's it's it, you know it's that Coriel a lot of West Coast concept, right? It's it's um and that stuff is is catch and run stuff. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's when Bill Wall started, it's not that really based on throwing throwing it short. Let those guys catch and run, but you have to be on time with your eyes and your feet. And accuracy of the football. You know, Drummond Man is an all game visit. So um I think that helps number one. I think number two, I think it's it's getting ahead of the chains. Might be in being second medium, second and short, third and third medium, third and short, and after you get the matchup. I mean you watch you watch NFL games and some guys are you know, they're empty on third and one. You know, why are they doing that? Because they they have a matchup. You know, they're gonna get cover one or cover zero and we're putting our best guy in the slot on your worst guy somehow, some way, and and we're gonna take a shot. And that's that's where you see the big plays happening, you know. So uh, you know, I think from a separation standpoint, you know, I think that I mean like I said, I, you know, you watch their film and you know, Mark does uh, the entire league, you you see the same plays over and over again for the most part. You know, it's 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 how it's running, who's running them. And then it's how fast the quarterback can get through those decisions and put the ball in the right place. And I think, again, it comes back to being comfortable with the system. It comes back to going, dropping back and going, one's not there. Let me get to two and three. And that's two and three are huge in progression. You know, and I think that, like we talked about earlier on the show, um, and we call it a ton early in the season, he, he's, he was stuck on one for a long time, like a lot of young quarterbacks do. And, and a lot of times when you do that, you force it, or by the time you get to two and three, they're covered. 
You know, so even if it's a completion, it's a body catch, and it's, you know, it's a seven-yard completion instead of a seven-yard catch, and then a 17-yard completion. You know, those kind of things. You know, so, and again, it's just being comfortable with what I'm being asked to do. All right, so, you know, the one thing we really haven't talked about, we touched on the offensive line, we really haven't talked about, although, Mark, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, is, you know, the personnel and where the Giants can upgrade to to help Daniel. Obviously, Saquon Barkley coming back and being being Saquon Barkley, being the guy that we saw in 2018, maybe not necessarily the sort of limited guy playing through a high ankle sprain that we saw in 19, would be it would be huge simply because he's a guy. You know, the way that I put it with Barkley is he's a guy that can turn something, you know, meaning your eight to ten yard run into something extraordinary. You know, meaning the 60-yard touchdown run where he just makes guys look silly. But when you look at it, are there, you know, and, and, you know, whichever one of you guys wants to take this first can take this first. Are there specific types of players in terms of receivers maybe, you know, that that this offense really needs to uh, to take a step forward? I mean, I'll jump in here. Um, I, I think the pieces are kind of there. It's just the chef getting them the ingredients to come out right. Um, and this isn't a Jason Garrett thing. I look at the offensive line. I think you do have some players up front that can be good offensive linemen in the National Football League. But the unit cohesion just isn't quite there. And I know there was some change over in the offensive line coach. If I'm Joe Judge, if I'm Jason Garrett, you know, if and when he comes back, I'm doing everything I can, backing up the Brinks truck, promising him whatever he wants. Dante Scarnecchia, like Dante, like even if you don't want to be the offensive line coach, like come in, help us get these guys on the same page. Because I think when you start looking at the skill position players, getting Barkley back will be huge. Look, I loved Evan Ingram coming out. I know that there are a lot of people that are down on him, but I still look at his prototype as a modern NFL tight end. The guy's a matchup nightmare. Tony talked about matchups. This is a matchup league. He's a matchup nightmare. You know, you look at, you know, Slayton can be an X. Tate can be a slot or Shepard can be a slot. And, you know, and, you know, those guys can be flanker and, and slot and mix and match those guys. So I think pieces are there. I think that unit cohesion up front will be huge. And a guy like Skarnekia to get those guys pulling in the same direction will be critical for 2021. Tony? Yeah, I, I agree with someone, Mark. I, I think the personnel's there. I mean, I know a lot of those guys personally through my time just, you know, working with quarterbacks or, or having those guys come down and work with me and my quarterbacks in the area. You know, I mean, I know I'm them really well, obviously, with my time from Davis Webb. I mean, those two were always together. So, you know, I've worked with Saquon a, a bunch over the years. Um, you know, two things. I mean, you talk about the run game with Saquon, but he's, but he's a huge element in the pass game. You know, and, and getting those option routes underneath on backers. And, again, he's a, he's a mismatch. He's that guy that you can flex out wide. You know, and if you put a linebacker out there or a safety, especially with a linebacker, you're going to play one-on-one. You know, so it, it, could there be an upgrade beat maybe for a number one receiver down the road? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you look at Josh Allen's year. I mean, Josh Allen did fantastic, but I think Stephon Diggs had a lot to do with it. You know, yeah. so – I know he has a lot to do with it. So there was a big jump in a guy to, to just win when you need him to win. Um, you know, from an office offseason standpoint, I, you know, I, I look for, you know, I look for, you know, the West Coast stuff to still be there, number one. You know, I, I expect to see some more RPO stuff, which is everybody's doing, you know, and again, helping Daniel. And again, Daniel's really good at that stuff. Um, 
And obviously, he throws legs in there as well. So, you know, you can read second-level players. You can read first-level players, whether it's on reads or throwing a slant, you know, glance stuff over over people. And, I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers here. I mean, it's, it's fun watching the Packers offense, right? It's, yeah. it's fun to watch. But the ball's getting out of his hands. He's not getting hit, you know. And, and every week he comes on shows and goes, uh, this is a blast. I get back there and I'm making my decisions. The ball's, I'm, I'm not getting hit. I can play until I'm 45. You know, so, it's, I, you know, you look for that jump, you know, with, with Daniel, you know, so. Yes, maybe some of that comes with the offensive line maturing and, and getting better. And, and, you know, Andrew Thomas, I think, uh, you know, I don't know what you guys think of, of Andrew Thomas. And, you know, obviously the Giants could have gone four different ways with that pick if they were going to go offensive lineman. I, I think it's, it's far too soon to say he was, he was the wrong choice. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we'll know that maybe, maybe three years from now, maybe five years from now, but you know, in, in, in closing, I guess, you know, I, I look at the offense and, and, and I would agree with you guys. I think there's, there, there's reason for Giants fans to be, to be optimistic despite where they finished up. Um, you know, I, I think there are, there are pieces to begin with. And Tony, maybe you can, you know, just talk about, you know, where you think they are versus maybe where you think they can go with this group. I think, I mean, look at the way they finished, right? I mean, obviously, you know, a rough start at the beginning. And, you know, from what I've heard from people, they've, you know, Joe Judge has done a fantastic job with that culture, you know, in that locker room. You know, like from what I've heard from people inside is that, you know, even though they were struggling early on, there was there was a, a peep of negativity. You know, guys were locked in. Guys were working hard. Guys were, were uh, they bought into, you know, his vision and his culture. Um, and you look at the way they kind of finished up. They had a great second half of the year for the most part. You know, I mean, obviously – you know, you're, you're, you're one win away from getting in the playoffs, right? As bad as the year they had, you know, um, and they kind of grinded through it, you know, so hopefully this thing gets back to normal, right? The world kind of gets back to normal for the most part. And you, you get, a, you know, you get a rookie mini camp in there, you, you know, you get some mini camp, you get some OTAs and, and Jason gets, get around Daniel. And I mean, that's the hardest thing about last off season was, is that, is that, you know, the two guys that need to get developed the most positions wise are quarterbacks and offensive line, right? So, and the only way that happens is by practicing. So, you know, you see guys like me that train quarterbacks. I mean, you know, the reason we're so busy is because those guys can't work with their coaches, you know, for the most part. And um, then you throw them last offseason when they couldn't work with them at all because there was no offseason. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talk, we talked about Josh Allen and, and Mark, you know, hit on it too with his fundamentals. He worked on it. You know, and he had an entire offseason to work on it. So, and you see guys that did. They got better, you know. So, you know, some guys didn't. You know, some guys got worse. Um you know, from a fundamental standpoint, and some guys in this division did, you know, so, you know, I, I look for them to make a jump because they can have an off season and, and, you know, their coaches get around their players and develop the quarterback and develop the offensive line, really, two main spots, you know, and that just comes from Braxton and that comes from being coached, you know, so hopefully that happens for those guys. I, I think, I think Giant fans should be excited more for it. Again, you know, you're, you're one game away from being in the playoffs, right? If the Eagles win that last game, you're in. You know, so oh, oh you, you had you had to bring that up, didn't of you? Course. You had to bring that that that. <laughs> my, uh, Doug, you had to bring up Doug Peterson yeah, my, uh, for the Jets job, tire, didn't you? Tire in-laws, uh, my entire family's uh, Philadelphia fans. I'm I'm like a lone giant guy down here, so uh, you know, it, it's funny that way. But um, okay. my point is, you're, you're there. You know, not not that you know, not that six and ten is a great year or seven and nine is where you want to be, but 
you know, as you're battling through this thing, you found a way to get it done somehow, some way. And then, you know, you look for next year to be hopefully be 10 to six. Mark, anything you, uh, you want to add to that? No, I mean, Tony kind of nailed it there. I mean, this is a team that, like you said, was one win away from the playoffs. Now you're picking 11. You're going to get hopefully a very talented player, maybe address the pass rush. Um, somebody coming off the edge for you to get after the other quarterback. Um, and then you look for that development now from, you know, year three. I mean, you have an opportunity now with some cohesion up front with a, a Daniel Jones finally in the same offense for two straight years, which hasn't happened for a long time for him since college. Um, to take that leap and to do the things that Tony and I have talked about that we've talked about on the show. Um, I think Giants fans should be excited. Um, I think your hope and expectation is a similar jump from year two to three, like you saw from Josh Allen. Um, you know, will he get there? That remains to be seen, you know, but uh, that work has to be in process now. Like Jones has to be with a guy like Tony right now. Um, if he's not, he should be. Um, to work in the off season, you know, to get better from head to toe as a quarterback. And if that's done, if the, the cohesion is addressed up front, this could be a playoff team next year. So, so, so Tony, how can we make that happen? Seriously, who do we, who do we have to call to make that happen, Tony? Yeah, come on, who do we have to call? It's funny, like, he, uh, no, obviously I worked with him for, for two different occasions at the Manning camp for four days, so eight days total. Um, I mean, he's a big, talented kid. He throws a great ball. It just, uh, He's worked with, with two friends of mine in, 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 uh, in the South where he's from, you know, um, you know, David Morris, quarterback country is a really good coach. He's done it for a long time, you know, and, uh, Anthony Boone, who played at Duke, um, for Cutcliffe, trained him really this offseason. Those guys do a great job, but you know, if he's in the area, you know, I'd love to have him. So like I've always had, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they want to get out of here with the weather. So sometimes you see guys shoot down to Florida or Cali and, um, you know, which I totally understand, but, you know, I've always said if those guys want to stay in the area and, you know, obviously when they get older, they get some families and they don't, they don't move as much, you know, they're not doing the, uh, you know, three week Cancun vacations anymore. Um, you know, love to get to work. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. All right. Hey guys, I really appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. We could probably talk, uh, we could probably talk, you know, Daniel Jones and, and, and Jason Garrett for another hour. Uh, but I, I think we'll wrap it up there. Mark, I know that, you know, you, you have so many irons in the fire across SB Nation with all your different shows and your work with so many different sites. I know, you know, folks can't get away from your work even if they want to. So I just uh, want to. Hmm? A lot probably want to. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> uh, I, I know we don't at Big Blue View, but Tony, just, you know, real quick. Uh, let folks know, you know, how they can get in touch with you or where they can find your work on, on Twitter real quick before I let you go. Okay. Well, again, thanks for having me, Ed. Always, always great to talk with you and talk Giants football. And, you know, Mark is, is amazing at what he does. And, and, um, you know, it's, you know, being a quarterback guy and being a coach, you know, you see some guys that really don't know what they're talking about with some of this stuff. And Mark is spot on every single time. I, I love watching his breakdowns and, and watching, you know, what's going on one and two, the fact how he breaks it down because he's spot on when he does it. So, um, I'm Tony Raz03 is, is the easiest way probably to find me on, um, on Twitter. And again, you know, I'm, I'm based out of New Jersey. So I do a lot of my work in, in Jersey in the tri-state area. So, um, you know, looking for again, for a big off season of, you know, high school kids. I, I train all the division one kids for the most part from, from the tri-state area, which, which is always a lot of fun. And they're great kids while they're home on their breaks and obviously getting guys ready for the draft, you know, um, you know, this year I had, you know, four guys in the NFL for my clients. Um, and you know, once those guys finish up, hopefully we'll get those guys back and get some more. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's fun getting guys in and working fundamentals and, and getting their confidence back and talking football and getting in the classroom and, and really 
digging deep and, and you know, like, like mark it on with confidence. I mean, when they leave me, I want them as confident as, as possible. And that comes from being fundamentally sound. And, uh, and we're, and we're going to flood Dave Gettleman's inbox with, yeah, we're gonna with, do with, that with your, with your email address and your Twitter it. handle. And, 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 you know. and look, Tony said some nice things there, but the only reason I know why I'm talking about it, because anytime I have a question, I asked Tony via the DMs. Like, if I see this right, like, there's nobody I trust. Is that more. why you sound smart all the That's time? That's why I sound smart, because I'm asking Tony all the time. Like, am I reading this right? Like, I see it here. So, look, like I said, look, I, I'm trying to get Tony business because there's nobody better, I think. I appreciate that, Mark. All right. You two guys are the best quarterback, best offense guys I know, and I really appreciate your spending some time with me. So, uh, Giants fans, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.